Welcome to Camp Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message by Pastor Sam Fine. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. Well, we've already really had church, don't you think? I mean, we've, we've had church. Um, I do want to take just a little time um, to share a word I know the Lord gave me for this morning. And, um, but I'm going to breeze, I'm going to uh, kind of fly through this story in 1 Samuel 25. So if you want to turn with me there. First Samuel 25. I want us all to be praying for all the, the uh, victims in Pennsylvania at this tragic um, happening that took place in that uh, Jewish synagogue. And I just want us to just be in prayer for all the families, everybody involved, and um, that the Lord would bring healing to the brokenhearted and those that mourn. So would you just join me in prayer right now? Let's just pray for... For everyone in Pennsylvania, Father, we thank you that you're a God of all comfort. You're able to comfort us, Lord. So, Lord, we're asking now that your comforting love would be extended to those in Pennsylvania. And that, Lord, all those that have lost loved ones and their hearts are breaking over the tragedy that took place. Lord, we're asking that the healing balm of Gilead would be released and that, Lord, you would pour forth your healing over many hearts, Lord, that are grieving over the loss of loved ones. Lord, we pray this day in Jesus' name that, Lord, you be glorified in in the midst of all of this and that, Lord, you would draw all men unto yourself. So, Lord, we ask that you bless the people in Pennsylvania with salvation, with healing, with comfort, with peace. And we thank you and we praise you, Lord, that the very shalom peace of Jesus will be blanketing and covering that whole region in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 1 Samuel 25. <laughs> That's right. This is a remarkable story of a woman who had extraordinary courage. But I want to start at the beginning of the story. There was a very rich man named Nabal. He had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats. And, but he was a very harsh and evil man. And his name even meant folly. And he was uh, very shrewd in his dealings. But he had a wife named Abigail. And Abigail was a very intelligent and beautiful woman. And it came about the time in which Nabal was ready to shear his camels in Carmel. And David and his mighty men hear about it out in the wilderness. So David instructs 10 servants to go and to meet with Nabal and to share with him uh, that, that to bless him with a long life. They instructed the, the ten servants to bless him, to bless his family, and to bless all that he has. And so in that, the ten servants were coming with a blessing, and he simply asked 
asked the servants to communicate with him to give them what he had in his hand that he would be able to bless David with, meaning that David's men needed some food, they needed some drink, and so they came with, with a, a heart of really wanting to, uh, to see uh, David's men blessed. So Nabal, uh, he says this basically, who's this David? Who's this uh, son of Jesse? And he, he scorns him, he scorns the servants, and he basically sends them away. And so David finds out about this, and he's, he's, he's livid. He's upset. And Nabal's shepherds were in the wilderness taking care of the sheep, and so at that time, David and his men were always around the shepherds taking care of them and protecting them, making sure that nothing went wrong. And so when when David gets word that this man scorned him, basically just said, you know, David's a fool. He said, put on your sword, get on your horses. We're getting ready to go ride. We're going to kill every male in that guy's household. So David and his 400 men are heading towards Carmel, are heading towards Nabal and his family. Abigail gets word of this through one of the um, shepherds. And she said, basically, hey, listen, David and all his men, they've been so kind to us. They were a wall between us and everyone else. They protected us. They took care of us. He was very, very kind. And so Abigail went to action. And what does she do? She gets 200 loaves of bread, two jugs of wine. She gets a lot of sheep that have been prepared. She gets um, some dates and raisins and clusters and all kinds of food. And she says, mount it up on all the donkeys and take them to David. And she sent them on ahead of her. And so then she gets on her donkey and she starts coming to meet David. She meets him in this secret pass. And all of a sudden, she's face to face with David and 400 men. Now, I want to remind you something. David isn't just this young man playing a harp and singing worship songs unto God. David was a fierce warrior. And it was because of the blood that he shed that he was not able to build a temple for God. But in that, David was a fierce warrior. And and Abigail meets him. And she mounts off, gets off her donkey, and she prostrates herself before, before David. You got to understand this. This is, there is such courage at this moment. Think about 400 warriors are sitting right there before you, and they're getting ready to go slay and kill her whole family. And she says something very remarkable to David in verse 24 in 1 Samuel 25. She says, on me alone, on me alone, my Lord, be the blame. On me alone, let all that my husband represents fall on me. I will take full responsibility and the blame for my husband's actions. I mean, think about it. I mean, Nabal, was, Nabal he wasn't worthy of, of any of this. He didn't deserve it. And his name meant folly. But Abigail put herself in place of her husband. She took upon herself all of his wretchedness. 
And she begins to intercede for her husband and for her family. And she acknowledges to him, I know my husband's worthless. He's a rascal. But she says, I'm going to take the blame for my husband. So she offers David her gift. Then she says something very remarkable. She says, Lord, please forgive the transgression of your maidservant. She's not saying, Lord, please forgive my worthless husband who doesn't know what he's doing. He just kind of lost his mind at that moment. She's saying, forgive me for my transgression. Do you know what she's doing? She is so identifying with the sin of the moment. She's taken so full responsibility for her husband's actions that she's saying, Lord, forgive me. She's not blaming her husband for his stuff. She's saying, forgive me. Forgive him for his evil actions. And through this sacrificial act, David relented from killing all the, the men in the family and received her gift of food for all of his men. And he blessed her. And he blessed her. Now, you know what? This story is our story. This story, we can all find ourselves in this story. Because at, at one time or another in our lives, we were in our sin. We were wayward from God. We were in our folly. We didn't know the right or wrong. We didn't know what was going on. But we, we were in a place where we needed somebody to stand in the gap for us and intercede on our behalf and cry out to the Father for our own salvation that we would come into the true knowledge of Jesus Christ, we would repent of our sin, and we would come into the fullness of a new life in Christ, and we would be able to fulfill the purposes that God has called us to. And that one man that stood up and took full responsibility and blame for your sin and my sin was Jesus Christ, the risen Lord. He stood up for your behalf, although he did not deserve it. He was the sinless lamb of God. And he stood up and said, Lord, I'll take full responsibility and the blame for all of humanity, for all of their sin, for all that they've done. Even though we didn't deserve it, he stood up and said, because of the love of God in my heart, because of the love that I have for them, I stand in the gap for them. And then he's taken into the hands of man. He's nailed to the cross. And he's there hanging for you and I. And he says this, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You and I were there when he said, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. He was interceding for you on the cross. He was standing there in the gap for you. That you might come into the full knowledge of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He was the perfect 
high priest to stand in the gap and to intercede for you. The one who never sinned, the sin of the world was poured into him. And he took full blame for you. Hebrews 2.14 says this. Turn there real quick. Hebrews 2.14 through 18, and this is in the Passion Translation. Since all his children have flesh and blood, so Jesus became human to fully identify with us. He did this so that he could experience the death and annihilate the effects of the intimidating accuser who holds against us the power of death. By embracing the death of Jesus, by embracing death, Jesus sets free those who live their entire lives in bondage to the tormenting dread of death. For it is clear that he didn't do this for the angels, but for the sons and daughters of Abraham. This is why he had to be a man and take hold of our humanity in every way. He made us his brothers and sisters and became our merciful and faithful king priest before God. As the one who removed our sins to make us one with him, he suffered and endured every test and temptation so that he can help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. He suffered and endured every test and temptation so that he could help us every time we pass through the ordeals of life. Hebrews 7.25 says this, Therefore, he is able also to save forever those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Not only did Jesus intercede for you to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, I want you to know something. He didn't stop interceding for you. He's still interceding for you this day. Why? Because he knows you're getting ready to go through the ordeals of life. That's going to challenge you. It's going to vex you. It's going to... um, It's going to burden you. It's going to weigh upon you. He knows what you're getting ready to experience. Why? Because he experienced it. And therefore, he now has authority to stand before God and to intercede for you that you might turn to him. You know, last week, Eliza preached an incredible message on the cross. And I was so gripped. I was so challenged. Was that not an incredible word? If you didn't hear it, I want want you to listen to it on our podcast. But I want us to to look at something. Because if we look back at Hebrews 2.18, it says this. He suffered and endured every test and temptation. Listen, every test and temptation was poured into the Lamb of God. 
Some of them might say, well, you know what? He didn't really experience what I experienced. Well, that's not what the Word says. The Word says that he experienced every test that you go through in life. It says that the sin of the world was poured upon him. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane means wine press. And what they would do back then in the days of making the wine, they would have a 500-pound pillar that would come down upon the grapes and would crush them. They would crush them. And in that, it was symbolic of the sin of the world was poured into Jesus by the infinite knowledge and wisdom of God in that it was so crushing, he told his disciples, stay here and pray for my soul is unto death. He was about ready to die within his soul in the garden of Gethsemane because the sin of the world came crashing down upon him such that he sweat blood. Blood came forth from his face because of the intensity of the moment of the sin of the world came into his body. He said, endure with me, stay with me. My soul is unto death. Paul says, I preach nothing and know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. The reason he said, I preach only one thing, Christ Jesus crucified, is it because the cross of Jesus is what we need to run to every single day of our lives when we go through the ordeals of life that we cannot handle, we cannot deal with, because he knows as we go to the cross, he's born, he bore our sin on the cross, he paid for it on the cross, so that he knows how to help us through the ordeal and give us salvation and wholeness, healing in every situation. Several years ago, I went through something that really changed my life forever. I made some decisions that were so wrong, so stupid. And through that experience, I experienced so much pain in my life. And I brought so much pain to my family. And I brought so much pain to my friends. That experience was so excruciating. The best way that I can describe what happened on the inside of me, I felt like I was crushed. And I really didn't know if I was going to make it. I did not know if I was going to make it. And one day when I was having a quiet time, I was reminded of Psalm 34, where David said this in verse 17. The righteous cry, and the Lord hears, and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I felt like the Lord said to me, 
I can save you because I became crushed for you. I was crushed. And my mind will race back to Isaiah 53 of the suffering servant in verse 3. Read with me there. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and forsaken of men. Have you ever felt rejected? Jesus was rejected. He was despised and forsaken. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs, our sickness, he himself bore. Our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we are healed. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus said, Father, if it may be, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. And at that moment, he looked into the cup and he drank it. And he drank in the sin of all the world. And he became sin for man. That he might save every man. And I thank the Lord, and I'm sure you do, that you didn't have to bear the weight of your sin. You didn't have to bear the burden and the penalty for your sin because he took it. And he took it that all might be saved. You know, we're saved when we're born again. But you know what? You're also saved when you've fallen in the pit and you're in the ditch and you've stumbled and you've lost your way And you need Jesus to save you out of that situation. And he has all the authority to reach down and grab you by the hand because he experienced every trial, every temptation, everything known to man was laid upon him. You might say, well, I don't know how Jesus can understand what I'm going through. You know, I've been divorced. Uh, I battle depression, suicidal thoughts. I battle with all these lustful thoughts. All sin of humanity was poured into him. He experienced what you experience. The Lamb of God, the blameless Lamb of God who had never sinned, allowed his life to be a vessel for all the sin of the world to be poured into him and die for you. That this day, everyone can call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. 
and run to the cross because it was on the cross that that depression that you struggle with was paid for. On the cross is where the heartache of divorce, of addiction, abandonment, and loneliness, all that you experience in life was nailed to the cross through Jesus. And he paid for it. So now he can come along your side and say, I have all authority now to deliver you from this situation and to help you in this ordeal that you're going through. The cross was not just a one-time moment. This is an act that goes throughout all of eternity to save every generation, to save every people that need the Lord to come along their side and to be the one that intercedes for you that you're going to make it. You got to come to me. You got to come to me and I'll help you through the ordeal that you're going through. Instead of running away in shame, thinking, I don't want anyone to know about what's going on, that's the moment you need to turn and run to the cross. That's the moment we need to run to him and say, Lord Jesus, save me. Help me in this ordeal. Aren't you glad that he's still interceding for you today? I mean, I'm so glad he's still interceding for us. He's saying, come on. I've nailed it to the cross. I can set you free. In that, Abigail stood there and took the full blame of her rascal husband. He didn't deserve it. But she took it upon herself and said, Lord, forgive me. Jesus took it all upon himself and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And he made the way that we can be free from all of the addictions, the struggles that we're going through in life. The power of the cross is still making deliverance and is still making a way for people's lives right now. We witnessed it today. We witnessed it today when I don't know how many other people stood up and got bad. How many did? Anybody count them? (laughs) Ten. Ten more people today got baptized. I mean, come on. That is the working of the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. So let's just give a shout out to our Lord and Savior, right? Come on. Amen. It is at the cross that our help is found. We can never get away from the power of the cross. That's why Paul says, I can't preach anything else except Christ crucified. So let's stand. Father, I just thank you right now that you're standing at the right hand of your father and you're interceding for us right now. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you stand with all authority, heaven and earth.
And you paid for every situation. Every moment that we're going through right now in life, you paid for it. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you and we praise you that you are standing there interceding for us. That we might run to you. And you help us. You save us. You rescue us. You deliver us. You encourage us. You heal us. You restore us. Lord, I pray that this house would continually come running to you. That we might be saved from our situations. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your power is made manifest through the cross. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.